0: Good morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God. This two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you? Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I am your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. Sharper Iron is underwritten by the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod visit lcef.org for more information. On this Wednesday, November 29th, we're studying 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verses 25 to 40. In today's text, St. Paul continues to instruct the Corinthians concerning marriage and chastity in light of the fact that the appointed time has grown very short. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's word today, we have this returning guest, Pastor Andy Jago. Pastor Jago serves at Bethany Lutheran Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Pastor Jago, welcome back to Sharp Brian.
1: Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So we get started today, Pastor Jago, help us out with any context we need to know from the epistle as a whole or the previous parts of this epistle as we prepare to look at the second half of chapter 7 today. I love reading
1: uh, the book of Acts chapter 18 and the mission of Paul in Corinth, uh, it's so extreme. Uh, there's and and, and the, when you zoom out and then look at the mission in its entirety, uh, just to, so uh, the extreme wonderful. Where there's so much potential in Corinth, which is why God intervenes directly, saying, "Paul, don't worry, I got this. <laughs> you know, we got you, we have many people here in this city," and then. Uh, zooming out, though, you you have this correspondence that takes place. Obviously, Paul writes back and forth with the church before we read 1 Corinthians. And then afterward, there's a sorrowful visit and a sorrowful letter that we read about in uh, 2 Corinthians. So there's a, there's a lot that, of issues. Corinth has a lot of issues based on what we know uh, of uh, the letters that are in the Bible and then the reference to the letters that aren't. So wow, <laughs> there's among the issues. There's first in First Corinthians, uh, uh, things that Paul uh, gets from Chloe's people, and then there's some issues that are taken up uh, in uh, in a, that were in an earlier correspondence that he had, and that begins in chapter seven. Overall, the main issue in Corinth is division, and then we get that, and, and that's the main issue he tackles here in First Corinthians. But I love how First Corinthians begins with Paul saying i wanted to know nothing of you but christ crucified and then ends with the great resurrection chapter of you know this uh, the christ must reign you know <laughs> and uh, uh, so the, there's there's in between you know the the crucifixion and resurrection i feel that those that's very purposefully done he bookends uh the letter with the great uh, a proclamation of the faith uh, in order to bring the Church together. Everything in the middle is bringing the Church together. Um, so here we are bringing them together on issues of chastity, I heard you say. I haven't heard that word in a good long time, <laughs> but that is very true.
0: Yeah, I, I think the word chastity is a helpful word overall when we think about the Sixth Commandment, because it, it seems to be a— it, at least a, as I hear it, a more holistic word than some other ones you might choose when you think about Sixth Commandment things. And so the, the issue of chastity, I think, is, is, I think that's just a helpful word for us to, to use, maybe reclaim a little bit. Now, when I used it in my introduction, I suppose I used it in a little bit more narrow of a sense, chastity as opposed to, say, marriage. So, but yeah, chastity, I think that's a helpful word for us to keep in mind when we're talking about Sixth Commandment things.
1: Yeah, yeah. So in chapter seven, there's there's a bunch of that, and <laughs> in, in the in the beginning of seven, uh, again, you know, the 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 response to an earlier correspondence, Paul alludes to that in First uh, Corinthians five verse nine. If your listeners want to look that up, uh, that is uh, where where he refers back. Hey, di- didn't I tell you then? Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, the, to flee from sexual immorality. So I wonder if you know, this, the issues that are coming up here in chapter 7 weren't from that earlier correspondence you know, as a result of that, uh, because obviously some uh, issues that were related uh, were discussed then. Um, so Paul has uh, uh, answers. Uh, the Corinthians have questions. Paul has answers, some that he says come from the Lord, which you've covered already. Uh, in the early part of chapter 7, in the part we take up today, he does not have a word from the Lord. So what happens when we don't have a clear word from the Lord? Pastor, I need your help. I need, you know, if there's there's an issue that I have, uh, how should a person looking for such a word from the Lord treat the kind of advice that Paul gives and if the issues that Paul brings up here in this chapter do not seem to apply to us a whole lot today, I mean, maybe we're not a widow, maybe we're married, uh, and we don't, we're not overly concerned about uh, uh, the, some of the things that, that Paul is writing about. Well, even so, I think even, to, even so today, we can still take home some ways to, to give and receive godly wisdom uh, across a wide range of, a wide spectrum of issues, if you will.
0: All right. so you're right, there are some very specific things in this section, but then there are also some fairly general things in this section as well. You and I were were speaking beforehand that this is not one of those sections of 1 Corinthians that perhaps we read all the time very regularly, but there are some verses within our section today that I think show up at least one point in the Church year, I know I've mentioned in the past that 1 Corinthians is a letter that is read during the Epiphany season over the course of the three-year lectionary. This It shows up in the Epiphany season. And some of the words that we get today about living with the fact that the appointed time has grown very short, those are going to be maybe a little bit more wide-ranging. But as you said, there's going to be some more specific things, too, that may not always apply to every each and every one of us. Indeed. All right, so let's go ahead and take a look. This is 1 Corinthians 7, beginning at verse 25. Now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. For the present form of this world is passing away. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit. Not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly toward his betrothed, if his passions are strong, and it has to be, let him do as he wishes, let them marry. It is no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity, but having his desire under control, and has determined this in his heart, to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then, he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. Yet in my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is. And I think that I too have the Spirit of God. That is our text for today. That is 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 25-40. to 40. Pastor Jago, probably the first thing that we need to talk about with this text is something that comes up there in verse 25 and shows up several times in this text. As the ESV translates, this is about the betrothed. Now concerning the betrothed, uh, there's, there's a footnote there, though. So help us, what who are we talking about here when, when the ESV uses the word betrothed? Who are we talking about?
1: Yeah, Parthenon which sounds like a place in Greece that you would go visit, but (laughs) it's uh, the word is uh, uh, virgins, and it's the same word that is used in Matthew 25, Uh, those individuals who are there with the lamps uh, awaiting the bridegroom to arrive. So it can be uh, specifically someone who's engaged or betrothed. Uh, It could be broadly... Uh, any young, eligible, any maiden, any young lady that's eligible to be married.
0: Okay, so they're anyone who's eligible to be married. So not necessarily betrothed as we might use the word, because when when I hear the word betrothed in English, I think of someone who's engaged, but perhaps a little less specific Mm -hmm. of a use of the word here in this case. Someone who could be betrothed, they're not yet married and could be married.
1: Yes, I, I, you know, I, I would like to discuss this with the translators of the ESV why they chose that, to narrow it and not broaden it, I don't know. But it seems the broader it, it makes more the broad makes more sense the the broad definition of any young woman here.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we're talking about people who would be eligible to be married but are not necessarily engaged to someone to be married at this particular point, though they might be. And and there are maybe perhaps cases within this section where it seems to be a little more narrow in its focus, but there are also these cases where it seems to be less narrow in its focus. So uh, virgins, yeah. yeah. Okay, so we're going to keep that more general meaning in mind now. So concerning the betrothed, concerning the virgins, Paul says, I've got no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. How should we understand that verse?
1: Yeah, I have no command from the Lord, but <laughs> that's not going to stop me from giving you a command anyway. Uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but I I think yeah, what is the word? The word from the Lord. I mean, so let's take a step back for a moment. Um, a word from the Lord, His inspired word, and Paul, you know, it would derive a lot of his his uh, what he writes in his letters from. It's amazing. I, I think um, I saw one translation of the New Testament. You know how we normally have the words of Jesus in red. Uh, this translation I was looking at had all the Old Testament passages in bold, and mm-hmm. there was a lot of Paul's writing that was in bold print um, because he's 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 saying this is the revelation that's come from God. Now Jesus has spoken to Paul directly too uh, on a couple of occasions throughout his ministry, um, so he's respected that way. Um, but what is the way that God guides us? I think God's clear word is the primary way that we, you know, would, would want to be guided and to give guidance, you and me as pastors, um, all right, when someone comes up with an issue or a question, that's that's the best place to go uh, and the most direct place to go. Now, that doesn't rule out. I, we Lutherans sometimes have an allergy when it, we talk about our feelings and how we feel about certain things. Um, so that's okay, I, and I and I get that. I, I've I've got some of that German stuff going on in my life too. But um, yeah, but the, but still, that there might be the way you feel about something may lead you in the right direction. God gives you people around you as well to mentor you, uh, fellow Christian sisters and brothers that may counsel you and give you advice. Um, and God also, may, I mean, there's sometimes there's circumstances that you can't really. It's hard to explain away. Um, so sometimes God nudges you, perhaps, in, in a direction. The only thing with people and circumstances and feelings is that sometimes they can move you in the wrong direction. <laughs> you might, right. Those are not 100% sure uh, that you're going the right way. Um, whereas if you have something from the Lord, well, then you know. Like in regard to marriage, uh, there's a lot of clear words of marriage is good. You've got that from, uh, say, Genesis uh, in the second chapter. Um, but now, uh, so Paul is addressing, uh, the Corinthian church, uh, the, the question at hand here at verse 25 seems to be similar to what we've dealt with before. Should I marry or should I remain single? Uh, but in this case, there's no clear word from the Lord. So what should a church leader do when there's no clear word from the Lord? I'd like to think that I could rely on my degree from MSU because I'm pretty good at making stuff up. (laughs) <laughs> but <laughs> joking aside, though, uh, Paul is going to give us his advice, uh, so and it's if interesting. I, if, if I he can interrupt say, you real quickly, yeah, yeah, Pastor
0: Jago, because I think it's, it's very striking that he doesn't make something up. We we talked a little right. bit about this yesterday, where he, he has that note that he says, uh, let's see, it's in verse 12, where he says, "'To the rest I say, I, not the Lord.'" that he readily admits, you're not going to find the chapter and verse in the Gospels where Jesus himself says this. You're not going to find that exact quote. And so the fact that he doesn't make something up, I think is is actually pretty significant, that he's going to Mm -hmm. apply the word of God pastorally to a situation in which there's not a direct quote from Jesus, which that's the way that I understand, you know, no command from the Lord, not that the word of God isn't there and applying to this situation, but rather there's not that, you know, direct, as you were bringing out, there's no direct red letter words from Jesus that say, should I get married or should I stay celibate? And, and I think, so again, I, I yes. know you said that in joking, yes. but I think it's important that he actually doesn't do that. That's pretty <laughs> significant. Right,
1: right. Oh, I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I was saying that I, I'm not opposed to doing that, but that's <laughs> but like Paul, I'd like to think that I, uh, the issue of credibility, uh, the issue of of being credible, of of the issue of revelation, where revelation comes from, of authority, those are all things to keep in tension when you're uh, when when people are seeking pastoral counsel or seeking biblical counsel, um, and to be clear, like Paul is, I think that's a that's a sign of integrity and a sign you're not in a cult of someone trying to manipulate you. Or twist you know, the the twist you around a little bit you're, you're you're appealing to authority that's beyond you um so yeah he's he's and but the other thing that's interesting here is his pastoral heart because he could i think say well i want you to do what i say because i'm an apostle of the lord i told you so so there you know uh or i told you so that's why uh, but he doesn't. He said, it, "What's his his words here?" And I think I'm probably maybe I'm making this to be a little bit more than what it is. But he says, "Is one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy." hmm, He has a relationship of trust. So the Corinthians have seen Paul go, you know, get challenged by the authorities, by uh, Jewish authorities and Gentile authorities in the in Corinth, and he's bold, probably on the basis of God saying, "Don't worry, I got this." You know, giving Paul that direct word, uh, giving him some courage and boldness, uh, you know, to to his testimony, but also, um, you know, all the issues, all the issues the Corinthians have, uh, and and then later on, you know, they go through some more issues. You know, when we get to Second Corinthians, we hear about a sorrowful visit and a sorrowful letter. Um, so, but but through good and through bad, uh, they they go through this together. There's a relationship there. There's. I think that Paul doesn't use that word trustworthy uh, carelessly. That that's intentional. He's reminding of the relationship that he has with them.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So, and and this is through the Lord's mercy. You think about Paul. Paul's experience of the mm-hmm. Lord's mercy has been very great from the moment that he was brought to the Lord when Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus. So, this is all through the Lord's mercy that Paul is this trustworthy apostle and as you said you know he doesn't just say hey i'm an apostle so listen to me though i do think his apostleship is in the background and particularly his own mm-hmm. relationship to the corinthians in chapter 4 he said i'm i've been a father to you and you've been to me as children so they they are to receive this instruction from him in that light and it doesn't if i can say it this way it doesn't bear less authority than it would if he did have that quote from Jesus, because Paul does speak based on the words of Jesus and the the revealed will of God that we do have in scripture. Does that make sense? Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, no, it does. So one more thing I'm thinking of is the um uh the idea you know the concept of you know when people come to you you don't have a clear word from the Lord. I thought about this as a pastor and and thought of a couple of scenarios. You know the 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 spectrum to me would be uh, you know, how close you are to the Word of God. And I try to coach people around that, you know, to say this is, this is something where it's, it's not chapter and verse in the Bible, but it's very close, you know, so, so it has a little weight, it has a little authority, whereas, you know, there's, there's things where I'm just throwing out my opinion. Sanctified though it is, you can take it or leave it. Um, so the, the wide range here that I see, there was a, a situation recently where someone actually came in and asked me, uh, how do I raise my child in the faith? And thank God for that. I mean, how often do we pastors just sit back and watch all the bad decisions, and then we have to do damage control? So this person was being proactive and actually wanted to sit down. Well, now, I mean, yes, I have some advice from the Bible. Uh, but as to, like, when you baptize and, you know, how we're doing Sunday school and, and, and you know, there are there biblical concepts and then related to the biblical concepts growing out of them, if you will, uh, where some practical things that you can think of. And then on the other side of it is when people, we're going through the church budget now. And uh, so yeah, I'm, I, you do not want me near, you know, my wife is the one that takes care of the financial decisions in the family because I'm terrible. <laughs> I, I thank God for church treasures that use uh, pie graphs for me <laughs> you know because i could then it's it makes it easy i'm a visual learner i can understand a little better uh, but i do try and and of course you know when we okay so should we do a pre care or after care in our preschool Well, there's a lot of practical things that I may not be qualified as as qualified, say, if you're talking about something from the Bible. But I could give you some general things that I'm thinking of, you know, because I'm a church leader and I'm concerned about, you know, how we're reaching the kids and reaching our neighborhood. So I'll have have an opinion about that, but you could probably take it or leave it. Um, So there's that range that's there. And I think it's good for pastors to be aware of that and for people to be aware of that, too.
0: Well, and so, I mean, just to use the examples that you gave, how do you raise your child in the faith? Well, bring the child to church. That's, that's I think, very solid pastoral biblical advice. We have plenty of words from the Lord that teach us to gather together with the saints. Well, how often do I have to do that, Pastor? And that's where you as a pastor <laughs> will say, well, there's not a, an explicit command from the scriptures that say... Uh, Alexandria or Bethany Lutheran Church in Alexandria, Virginia must get together at 9 a.m every Sunday morning I don't I don't know when your worship time is pastor Pastor Jago but there's there's no you're explicit close. You're close. okay fantastic <laughs> <laughs> so so there's no those, there's no explicit word from the Lord in that sense so that you know you're you're not going to tell the parents well if, if you don't make it three times out of the four Sundays you are sinning but you're going to encourage encourage those parishioners based on what the Lord teaches, without laying down a a law that the Lord hasn't, and and encouraging them to examine their own hearts to receive, whether or not they're receiving the Lord's Word with thanksgiving. Some of those things where, I mean, yeah, boy, it'd be much simpler, wouldn't it, if you could just say, hey, here's the box you check, and, and if you've done it, you're righteous, yes. but that's not the way the Lord works. He gives His righteousness, and He invites us to live in that freedom.
1: Yes, yes, and you know, it's interesting you say freedom because paul is that's what Paul is all about in this advice, I think he he's giving a wide range you know of you know de- dealing with the issue directly. he doesn't you know just uh, uh, you know de- beat around the bush or anything. he de- deals with it directly, but he, there's a lot of Christian freedom. He's an apostle of freedom, and that comes clear in these verses, I
0: think yeah. That's right, and I, that that'll flow into the next chapter as well, and in, into in coming chapters in this epistle. And you see it elsewhere, and and the way that he would have us use that freedom is in the in love for the Lord and in love for the neighbor. So, by all means, dear Christians, bring your families to church. By all means, at at every opportunity you have, and and use that freedom that the Lord gives you to to enjoy His gifts. So, and that includes then to to get more specific to our chapter here, the gift of Marriage on the one hand, or celibacy, chastity on the other. Maybe celibacy was the word I was intending to use earlier, or Pastor Jago. But that's where he's going to apply it. So, in verse twenty-six and following, I think it's good in terms of the present distress. Paul says, "To remain as you are." So, if you're already married, stay married. If you're single, go ahead and stay single. Help us into this this apostolic counsel that we get here.
1: Yes. In view of the present distress, what is that distress? Mm. There's a lot of people that write about that. Uh, so I looked at Martin Luther. His take is that it is some sort of persecution against the Corinthian church. Mm. That's a pretty pretty likely. I give that some high probability there. Um, another commentator said possibly a famine in the area. There's some external evidence that that might have been going on. Um, So if I had to choose between the two, I'd say probably persecution was a higher probability than famine. The reason why is because at the end of Corinthians, he gives uh, uh, counsel to how to collect... Uh, the the uh, contribution for Jerusalem which is also undergoing a, which is undergoing a fam- famine, sorry uh, during that time. So if if Corinth was going through a similar thing, you would think that there would be some mention of that I would but maybe not. I don't know. So it, again, we're just dealing with probabilities here. Um, but then there's the third possibility that connects to the time is short and that comes up a little later in our reading for today. Uh, the form of this world, is passing away. Is that the present distress, that we're in this end times, uh, that Jesus is coming again? Uh, Paul repeats uh, this advice for people to remain as they are. If they're bound, that is, engaged or betrothed, then stay that way. If they're not, then go ahead and remain, quote-unquote, free. Um but yeah, maybe 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 it's connected to that day of judgment that is imminent. Possibly, mm. um, it's interesting. So the, another biblical connection uh, is Jeremiah sixteen. Uh, I remember the study we did on Jeremiah months ago. <laughs> so, uh, but there, you know, Jeremiah was was commanded. He was told by God directly, "Don't get married." Why? Why God? Because there's this judgment day that's coming. And on that judgment day, well, there's going to be uh, a lot of, there's going to be famine. Uh, there's going to be certainly a lot of other kinds of persecution. Jeremiah gets thrown into a cistern and, and such. Not a, not a good situation if you have a family. Um, and and there will be this, this this judgment that comes, at the, the city will be destroyed because of this day of judgment uh, that is coming. That foreshadows that final judgment as well. Um so it's a little bit of all three which I found interesting all three of those possible scenarios of what that present distress is maybe this present distress that what uh, that Paul is referring to touches a little bit on all on all of those and maybe we just shouldn't push it too far it's just it's we just recognize it was bad
0: sure yeah i i guess i've always heard that in the more general sense though i do appreciate the the mm-hmm. thought that there could be something more specific when i think about the in view of the present distress uh, my, my mind went to the way that Luther speaks in the Catechism in the fourth section. So not the fourth chief part, but in the fourth section, the Christian questions and their answers. Mm. And in the last question, he talks about you know, what do you what do you do if you don't think you need the sacrament? And mm-hmm. and he he gives the advice. Well, first uh, check out if you're still alive. And if you are, that means you've got the sinful flesh. And yep. and check out if you're still living in the world. And if you are, then that means that you're going to have trouble. And third, also remember that the devil's attacking you. And so I guess just as I, I think about the present distress, all of us in some sense live in that present distress, which I think is related to what you were talking about, that the the last day is coming, the time is short. So this is the time in which we live, in which sin, the world, and the devil attack us. So in view of that, here's how you might think about the matter of marriage. That's, that's the way I guess I've understood it. But I think... All of your answers are helpful, Pastor Jago, and we'll keep those in mind as we keep going with this text on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. We're talking to Pastor Andy Jago this morning. We'll be right back. Please stick around. Did you know that an investment with Lutheran Church Extension Fund exclusively supports LCMS ministries and church workers? That's right! LCEF ensures LCMS churches, schools, and organizations have access to the financial resources they need to sustain, strengthen, and start ministry work. In other words, You can feel good investing with LCEF because we share your Lutheran values and love for the church. Learn more at lcef.org. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Wednesday, November 29th. We're studying 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 25 to 40 with Pastor Andy Jago. He serves at Bethany Lutheran Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Pastor Jago, prior to the break, we were looking at Paul's apostolic instruction that in view of the present distress, it's good for a person to remain as he is. So if he is married, then remain in that marriage. If he is not yet married, then don't worry about getting married. It's okay to stay single. But he clarifies very quickly there in verse 28, if you do go ahead and get married, whether you are a man or one of the betrothed women, as we talked about, the those who are not yet married, it's okay. You haven't sinned if you go ahead and get married. Take yeah. us into verse 28. Yeah, to
1: 28, those two phrases. You have not sinned. She has not sinned. <laughs> you, referring back to the previous verse, uh, talking to the gentleman, are you bound to a wife? Are you free from a wife? Um, so if, if you take a wife, though, you, you have not sinned, men. Uh, and uh, then uh, if you are a, a betrothed woman or a young woman uh, and you are married or you want to marry, that too is not a sin. <laughs> kind of, kind of canceling out his earlier <laughs> advice, I guess, in a way. So, but again, Christian freedom is here. Obviously, Paul has a personal preference; he has a personal lifestyle choice that he is that he is uh, living in hell. Um, you know, and and he's no. What I find very comforting about this in verse twenty-eight, he has no desire whatsoever to control where people are. Uh, you know, just to, if the, it's it, it relates back to earlier in chapter seven where he says, remain as you were called. So he gives people the freedom and the space to live out their calling. If that's married, that's great. If it's not, that's also good.
0: Yeah, that, that's right. I mean, he doesn't bind consciences where the Lord does not bind consciences. So right. single or married you are the Lord's, he's telling the Corinthians. And I have I have reasons for giving this instruction. It has to do with the present distress and the time growing short and, and what that means for you to live as either married or single in those times. But he's not going to bind the conscience by saying, just because there's a, an advantage in this sense... To remaining single, because that's what he's going to talk about here in a moment. Mm-hmm. There may be that advantage. He's not going to say that you've somehow sinned by getting married, because he's already told us about some of the advantages of marriage in the previous text, right? That that this is the place where the Lord gives a husband and a wife to live together in that glorious marital union, and so there are advantages to that too. Here he's extolling some of the advantages of remaining single, but in either case he's not going to bind your conscience where the Lord hasn't done so.
1: Yes, and he, he gives a clear reason as well. I'm saying this to spare you yeah. from worldly troubles, and those of us who are married understand.
0: <laughs> He's that's, not wrong. That's right. Yeah, that's right. There, there, there are certain <laughs> troubles that come with marriage. That's not to say that that makes marriage bad by any means, Indeed, but there this is a reality that there are worldly concerns that married people have that single people may not, and Paul will go on with that a little bit later in, in a little more specific detail. But before he does that, he gives more, I think, general instruction as to the reasoning behind mm-hmm. this. And as we were talking earlier, this is where his his words start to have greater application, not just to single or married, but even to to just Christian life in general. Mm-hmm. And this is where we get that phrase, the appointed time has is growing short. So talk, take us into these next verses, verses 29 to 31.
1: Oh, just so beautiful. Um, so this is what I mean, he says. Uh, yes, the appointed time is growing short. So note that, and then note at the end of this section, we'll say from verses 29 to 31. At the end of 31, um, the world, the present schema, I love that, the the present form of the world is passing away. The time is short, the world is passing away. Uh, now Q vakit off. <laughs> Wake, awake! The night is flying. That's right. Great, yeah. <laughs> so that we can, uh, uh, you know, get into the spirit of this. And and notice the poetry. Now, before getting into the specific phrases, I mean, just he does this, and a number of times. Most recently, I was at a funeral, uh, preaching on Second Corinthians chapter four, um, and uh, just to, just the, the 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 phrases that uh, were used there pressed in from all sides, uh, but not crushed. Perplexed, not driven to despair; persecuted, but not forsaken; struck down, but not destroyed. Oh my goodness! I mean, you—you can—it's it, inspiring, and it builds as it goes. Just like maybe reading one of the Psalms, you know. It just—Paul uh, is um, using a—he's a, he, good on his theology. He's obviously excellent at theology, philosophy. But give them some points now for poetry as well. And then this you, you notice the, the 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 repeated as, if, and then not phrases. and And some of us, I think there's only one of these we would cheer for you know, a, <laughs> yeah, or relate you, know, we would we would want, you know, so let the let those uh, who have wives live as though they have done. Well, okay. Uh, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, that's good. Uh, those who rejoice as though we're not re- rejoicing, we'd rather not do that. Those who buy as if they have no goods, no, we'd rather have goods. Those who deal with the world as though they have no dealings with it. Well, now we're, with that last one resuming out a little bit, at, what is the whole point of this? It's dealing with the world. It's getting Im- I- immersed in the world. So it's not that these things are good or bad, either way, uh, but, but if you get too entangled and 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 ensnared, stuck uh, in these worldly concerns. Any one of these things could be uh, could keep you or detain you, perhaps, or keep you keep your eyes here on earth as when they could be focused on our heavenward journey, focused on on our on our heavenward goal, if you will. It would keep us from running for the prize, I guess. Paul would say if he were writing this to the Philippians.
0: So to, to think about what he's saying here then, and maybe just to apply it to the first thing in that list where he says, from now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and, and what that looks like in practice. So Paul would not say to to the husbands, then, well, just ignore your wives. Because right. we have, for example, Ephesians 5, where he says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the Church. So so what he's saying here in 1 Corinthians 7 isn't contradicting that instruction uh, but maybe maybe the way to to think about what that could look like in practice would be to bring in what Jesus says about those who would be his disciple where he he says that those who he uses some strong language sometimes those who do not hate their father, mother, and he lists just about mm. every relation you can they're not worthy to be his disciple so that to to put anything ahead of being a disciple of Jesus is to engage in idolatry, and it seems that that's mm-hmm. that's more along what what Paul has in mind, rather than you know just ignoring your wife as a husband or, or vice versa if you're a wife with your husband.
1: I agreed. Uh, yeah, I think this is a first commandment uh, related issue, and the the person that that helped me on this was Martin Luther. And forgive me, I don't know exactly where this quote came comes from. Um, where he says i have held many things in my hands and i have lost them all uh, but whatever i've placed in god's hands that i possess so even your marriage you can hold on to it too tightly uh you know and and that becomes an idol that becomes more important than your relationship to god but if you give that relationship to god if you're saying, Lord, I, you know, we, we dedicate our lives to you know, le- letting God's love flow into that relationship and then out to your neighbor, um, you know, the, and and uh, and enjoying those moments that that God gives, um, you know, th- that that's something that uh, that that you you will still possess. Then, and, and if you try to hang on to it too tight, you may not. Uh, that may be a, to a de- the detriment of that relationship as well. And I think the other things that Paul. Uh, lists here about earthly goods and uh, re- even rejoicing. <laughs> you know, that's not a bad thing, especially in the biblical sense. Uh, but that, is it rejoicing in Christ or is it just, you know, hanging on to brief happiness here on earth? Um, so, again, it's poetic. Uh, so, you know, it's, a, it's not a, a doctrinal treatise. I could say, don't, you know, I could preach in a sermon, you know, just keep your eyes on, uh, fixed on Jesus, the author, perfecter of our faith. Well, that, 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 that's inspired. But uh, I could say, you know, d- keep your uh, focus on heaven and not on earth. And that's kind of boring. But Paul is not boring. He, he really uh, uh, treats us to this, this, uh, this poetry and gets us in. He, he gives us the theology with the beauty as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think maybe to to go elsewhere in in Paul's writings. And this isn't an exact quote, but where it's in Romans 8 where he talks about the that the the sufferings that we have now are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed. So in a, in a similar vein when it comes to our lives as husband and wife or our lives in which we mourn or rejoice or in which we have dealings with this world and buy things look at those in light of the fact that there is an eternal joy coming. And mm-hmm. and in that sense, then the things of this life are passing away, the things of, of eternal life remain forever. And and constantly as we live in this life, keep it in that perspective that mm-hmm. the Lord is going to return very soon, as Paul says, and and keep the things of this life in that perspective. That's his overall instruction here in this section
1: yes exactly perspective i think th- that's so important to 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 keep in front of us as we read through this because man you could get lost on the details here <laughs> you just know? right. you, dis- you agree with paul on this point you disagree on this point you got ruga 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 but you know? <laughs> but just to to take a step back every so often and say what is the point here what is he talking about
0: yeah that's right that's right so as he then moves on back again to more specific application to the issue at hand concerning marriage, those who are eligible to be married but are not yet. He comes back to this thought of, well, what what is the advantage to remaining unmarried? Again, he's already talked about advantages to being married in the previous text. Now he's going to tell us some of the advantages of being unmarried. And he he says, overall, he wants them to be free from anxieties, and he applies that to married versus unmarried. What does he say in the next few verses?
1: Yeah, uh, free from anxieties. Uh, the the unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord and how to please the Lord. The married man, and I, I like the word anxious here, um, the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And, again, he's not wrong. <laughs> yeah. is, there's a certain dividedness. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a conflict inside of you. Um yeah, you know, and, and I suppose those of us who were in church work may feel it a little bit more. Yes, I could serve the Lord more if I had a little more sleep, <laughs> not tending to all the family things that I got to tend to. Um, but those, but, but, you know, it, 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 so a couple of things here. Number one, what is that conflict that's inside me? And I go to Luke chapter 10 because I see that when I hear the word anxious or read the word anxious, I'm, I'm also connecting to what Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious about many things. <laughs> and uh, yeah. and I, see, I hear Jesus saying that to me. <laughs> and uh, yes, I am anxious about many things. Who is choosing the better thing? And this is what Paul is writing. What's the better thing? The better thing is to sit at the feet of Jesus and to, to be able to uh, receive, and then to better give that love that you have uh, from the, the derived from His Word and and from Christ in that Word. Um, so again, Martha wasn't wrong for cooking, and I'm sure wow. Jesus enjoyed that afterward, you know. Um, but what was the, the but but at that moment it was you know, Mary choosing the better part. I I'm just thinking of you know the nuance here. And 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 applying that to what Paul is saying to us right now, uh, so in Paul's pastoral advice, I don't think that marriage is wrong, or inferior, as we've been saying through the study, uh, but rather it is. Uh, especially, you know, and, and again, taking a step back, looking at the entire testimony, that there's a motif throughout the entire Bible. Well, the Bible begins and ends with a marriage, right? Yeah. <laughs> it begins with Adam and Eve, ends with the bridegroom Christ coming to claim His church, and all the way in between, it's a it's a it's a figure for joy, uh, and especially this and, and a figure for the relationship that we have in the Lord. It's a motif. So I don't think Paul would would dream about uh, disparaging uh, the the goodness of marriage. Uh, yeah. That's but that's not what he's doing. He thinks there's an advantage to not being married. Um, and he's giving us some, some reasons for why, whether we are going to employ that in our life or not. And if not, well, then we at least he's bringing up a good point in his pastoral advice to us. Something for us to make us pause and think about it. Because we are, are we so anxious with many things in our marriage, those of us who are married, uh, that we're not sitting at the feet of Jesus? And not paying attention to the spiritual things in our life, and treating that as as a as a divine calling, uh, so we can we could take our that spiritual relationship into our marriage most certainly, because this is also a calling from God, just as much as being a pastor is a calling from God. Uh, you're you're being married is a call from God, and being a, a parent, if that's your calling, uh, and then even being in the community and helping your neighbor and things like that. Those are all callings that God gives to us and so that must be attended to though in a spiritual way in a call and it's a it's a holy calling and I think Paul brings us back to that
0: yeah and and again I appreciate the the way that you're you're treading very carefully just as Paul does mm-hmm. to not disparage marriage but to recognize with Paul there are things that those who are single, can do that those who are married cannot. And I this is something that we recently talked about in the youth confirmation class here concerning the sixth commandment, that there are realities for those who are who are single. And I'll just use the example of, of being a pastor, because uh, we haven't actually talked about that with first Corinthians seven yet. This text mm-hmm. does not mean pastors have to be remain unmarried, as our, our Lutheran confessors are so clear within the, the Book of Concord. We haven't actually mentioned that yet. But but just but think about this that there are things That a pastor who is single may be able to do that a pastor who is married might have a little bit harder of time, simply because, as this text acknowledges, that married pastor has concerns for his wife and for his family. So if if I get a call at 2 a.m. in the morning that a member is in the hospital and needs pastoral care, it's going to be more difficult for me, as a man who is married, who has children at home, to get up and get going than it is for a single pastor to do that. And that's, that's just the reality. It doesn't mean that one is better than another or worse than another or that one is somehow sinful, but that's just the reality that Paul acknowledges and say, hey, don't forget about that. There are things that those who remain unmarried can do in service to the Lord that those who are married, their interests are going to be a little bit divided. And that's not bad, but it's just reality. Yeah, indeed. Indeed.
1: And I I'd venture a safe guess even people who are not pastors uh, struggle with the same thing. You know i we, we I've, I'm always encouraging people to be in their devotions and uh, you know in the, in the Word and to take God with you. You know not just uh, it's, it's church isn't just for Sunday. <laughs> Our relationship with God continues Monday through Saturday, uh, and even though we're concerned about many things, married or unmarried uh, and, uh, you know, into the workplace and into wherever, all those different spaces that God has called us. You can serve the Lord by changing diapers. (laughs) You can serve the Lord, uh, by, by being in a board meeting and, in a difficult budget meeting and how you conduct yourself, uh, there in that meeting. Uh, you can serve the Lord when, when someone's looking across the street in the crosswalk and you're, you know, and the traffic is nasty, and people are not paying attention to the crosswalk signs. So all those different things, you serve the Lord. Uh, and, and if you think of all those things as a calling, that changes your perspective. It changes your, your view on life, and it becomes less burdensome, I think, uh, right. and more, more into the ideal that Paul is trying to lead us to here.
0: Yeah, that's right. So then, help us into how he continues in verses thirty-six and following. Again, we have this: uh, those who might be, or someone who's betrothed, and the the word with passions. If those are flaring, then go ahead and get married. What's his his counsel in verses thirty-six to thirty-eight?
1: Yeah, I thought I knew what this verse was all about, but apparently there's some debate here, um, and it comes down to the 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 Greek word that that is there for his passions are strong. If his passions are strong, because <laughs> apparently that's in a couple of English translations, in a couple of the other English translations, it's uh, when she is past the her youth. Um, so there's some debate as to whether this is going old school, talking about a father uh, giving his daughter away, uh, and if you feel that you're doing her wrong, uh, then you should uh, you know just and he's trying to ease the 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 person's conscience, the father's conscience there. Um, and then to modern readers, of course, it's a little jarring <laughs> if you're reading that in the New King James Version, um, uh, because you know it's, I would imagine my daughter's reading that. Is it, Dad? You don't? Mm, no. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I don't want you to uh, to have that much control. Thank you. Um, but the, uh, the when it comes to but but uh, the, the other translation, of course, is that in our ESV, which is I think makes a little more sense. Um, where if, uh, it, and it goes in, it can, I, I think it also makes sense because of the context too, uh, because Paul talks about passions earlier in chapter seven here. Uh, and if, uh, if it, it, if it's to keep from sinning, then you should marry. Uh, so I think similar advice here to those that are betrothed, even though he says it's, a, it may not be the spiritual state. It may not, I want you to use, to do things to your spiritual advantage, uh so regardless of what this is if it's your passions are strong or you're holding your daughter back um you know, either way uh don't go with your conscience go with what where your calling is in the lord and be and have that freedom in christ to do those things
0: yeah and, and just as because i brought up the matter of the marriage of pastors or the marriage of priests which again is a very mm-hmm. big topic in the lutheran confessions notice that in verse 37, that these this matter, Paul says this is being under no necessity, but Mm -hmm. having his desire under control. So one who does wish to remain celibate does so under no necessity, it's not forced upon him, and it is with his desire under control. So again, as you brought up, Paul said previously, and within this section too, if the passions burn such that sexual immorality becomes a problem, Paul says, go ahead and get married, you haven't sinned Therefore, pastors can be, be married. And I know you and I are both thankful for that.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, have, uh, I would not, uh, I don't do celibacy now. Um, I, it's This is such an aesthetic, aesthetic sorry, you know, part of Paul uh, and, and why I don't relate to the apostle in some ways because I, I like, um, I, I, it, it, and, and why some people, might it, you know, there was a tension in the early church between the Gnostics, and, uh, and, and those, were, uh, th- those were people that had special knowledge. It was based on a lot of Eastern religions. Basically, the spirit is good. The flesh is bad. And I would not have made a good Gnostic <laughs> I just, or a desert father or anything like that, because I, I think God has given us in this created world things to enjoy. And I really, and I love being in the moment where you're enjoying that. You're enjoying a good dad joke with your kids. You're enjoying a well-cooked meal. you're you know, you're enjoying a uh, you know those kinds of moments with your family. Um, and uh, and I think that that's what we were created to do. Now there's there's some that feel do that feel very complete. Without that, uh, or or having other callings and other moments that they share, it's just different. It's not right or wrong. It's just different. What's the what's the uh, guide here? Paul actually says, if whoever has it established in his heart, uh, it's it's God is leading you that way then great. And again, you know, I I'm, thank God that we don't have that that rule in in our church. And I think of the—even today, I, I will just say, with all deference to our Roman Catholic brothers and sisters, that causes—I I just imagine it must cause such suffering uh, to have that made a rule when it's not a rule. You know, that's, it, right. that's not a command from the Lord. Uh, and Paul is very clear on that, and I don't know why popes can't be that clear. That's right.
0: Yeah, that's right. So, Pastor Jago, tell us into those last two verses then, verses 39 to 40.
1: Okay, so now we've covered a lot of bases here, and now we're on to someone who is a widow, uh, someone whose husband has died, Um, There was actually a special uh, care that was given to widows and to orphans in the early church, and maybe still today. But, I mean, you were registered. I mean, there was a a formal process and such uh, that we have from some external evidence looking in in history and so forth. Um, So, yes, in the Lord— Uh, She is free to marry again in the Lord. I think that's a phrase that needs a little attention just because, uh, what do we mean by that? I I think it's pretty broad. You know, it could be, you could, you should marry, remarry a Christian. Uh, There's a verse he gives, advice he gives to the, the, in the second Corinthian letter about being unequally yoked, uh, to unbelievers, um, I've seen marriages end in disaster, unfortunately, because of that. So, I have to. T- I tend to agree with Paul's advice. It's it's good to be in, in the same faith. Um, I mean, even different Christians have, tri- have have struggles and 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 trials uh, because of that. How how we going to bring up the kids and that sort of thing. Uh, but also, it could be just in the Lord. Be I th- I like that word chastity. I suppose I, you know, just because there's a broader, um, you know, what is your relationship. Uh, with people, you know, they, do, are you looking at them and not uh, and 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 you're 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 not um, you you have a good you uh, uh, you're you're, you're <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm stumbling over my words here. You have a good uh, you have the love from the Lord, uh, and that affects the way that you act toward people, you know, in the right way. You know what I mean? I I, I guess that yeah. the <laughs> we're on the radio here, so I don't want to be too explicit, but the. <laughs> The the main thing is 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 the, the way to to be holy and righteous in the things that you say and the do. There we go. I got there in the end. Um, right.
0: <laughs> with with about a minute left, Pastor Jacob, as you reflect on this verse and this whole text, help us to wrap things up this morning.
1: Okay, so yes, um, <laughs> there's there's a number of conclusions. If any if anyone's troubled, like if you're fighting, if you find yourself fighting with Paul in this section, then it's good to remember the context. First of all, there's some present distress going on in Corinth, which could be still the end time things that we're talking about today. Um, but we also remember that Paul's words in that is he's giving us his advice. Uh, and uh, he's very careful not to give us a new commandment or to burden people's consciences. But but the advice he gives should be listened to and taken to heart because he gives us a lot of good general ways to look at our lives and look at our callings in life. Uh, So before you gloss over (laughs) this part of Corinthians, also look at the wonderful poetry uh, that is there in those uh, verses that we discussed, in those those areas of life uh, that take our our gaze upon Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. And finally, remember the Bible is is meant to address a wide range of human experience. So even though Paul may be a little aesthetic here, uh, he you know, just a, 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 a and maybe veer toward the more spiritual. Um, keep them. Read it if you want something to be the counterbalance to that. I would recommend Song of Solomon chapter four, uh, where you're in the garden. Uh, well, the garden comes up metaphorically at the end, but you know the the beauty of the beloved is extolled, and it's very sensual, and it it, it just it 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 attacks all your, your the, the smells, the sights. Um, and it, and, it, and it just uh, uh, it acknowledges that we uh, that, that there are things in this earth God created for our good and for our enjoyment, and that's okay to enjoy. Um, you don't have to be locked up in a monastery in a tower somewhere <laughs> just with your <laughs> I don't think God intended that anyway. So um, so whether we're in present distress or not, married or not, Uh, I think Paul's section here in chapter 7 helps us keep our eyes on Jesus, and remember the joys that we experience in this life will be fulfilled uh, when we see our Lord in person.
0: Pastor Andy Jago is pastor at Bethany Lutheran Church in Alexandria, Virginia. He's been helping us today to study 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 25 to 40. Pastor Jago, thanks for being our guest today. That's all, folks. (laughs) The appointed time is short. The present form of this world is passing away. Live life, married or single, in that reality, Christ is coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. I'm your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. If you have any questions about this text, send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. It's always a joy to hear from you. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.